everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We are back after a brief hiatus. We are back indeed, and uh, what a time to be back. We thought we would do uh, a sort of a special episode here, focusing mostly on Elden Ring. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to uh, rank something up at the top here quick, and then uh, spend the rest of the episode uh, sharing sharing our thoughts. I, I think that you pretty much just, you just summed it up. That is what we're going to do today. So I guess, you know, let's get to game ranks. Well, with that, we will get into this week's game ranks. And Moses, uh, what uh, what are you looking at this week? Well, you know, Paul, I've been feeling pretty fraught about my next game rank. And so uh, instead of ranking something that I'm trying to figure out how the fuck I'm going to rank it, um, I just decided to rank something that will not be um, you know, such an onerous task for me. But something I've been meaning to rank and that I feel is still a pretty good fit here in the top half of the of the 100, at least where things sit now. Um, although I will insert something in uh, in the in the process of thinking and talking ranks. Um, I've played more fast and loose in general with slipping things in here or there. And um, Kana is the game that I'm not ranking this week because it will shake things up significantly. And it made me reflect on the fact that as we're doing this podcast, as I'm refocusing on more gaming in my life. And um, frankly, as games, as awesome games continue to come out and there seems to be a pretty good flow. So not only the things I need to catch up on, but great new games that seem to be getting released. Um, I have a feeling things are going to get weird, but not today. So today, uh, you know, I wanted to rank a, a really great game that did have some industry changing effects and it was part of uh, what I think of as the um, second renaissance of platformers, I guess. So this is 2008. The game is Jonathan Blow's Braid. Oh, yeah. So, you know, um, I have Super Meat Boy up in the mix here already. Um, Fez is not going to make it anywhere into my top 100 of my rankings. I, I seriously doubt it as much as I like that game. Um, I have, have a strong feeling. Well, it's certainly not the top 50. Um, but obviously, I'm just rattling off games from the era. Limbo obviously has made it into my ranking. But games from that era that make me think about it is like that second renaissance of the platformer, um, where a lot of things got subverted in terms of classic platformer expectations. And Braid is probably one of the better examples of that, given that its entire plot is a subversion of the Mario story. Yeah. And before we get into Braid proper, I wondered um, what the first platforming renaissance was. Are we talking Super Mario Brothers? Oh, Super Mario Brothers is clearly okay. the first platforming re renaissance. It's not the first platformers that came out, which was actually like before that, right? But Super Mario Brothers and the and its sequels and you know Sonic and that that era of of eighties platformers to me is like the first platformer renaissance. Does a does a does a renaissance need to be precluded by a golden era, or are they not necessarily? I mean, I'm using it more in a kind of um, art historical sense of the renaissance, okay. where it's you know preceded by the by by a pre renaissance, where the forms that start to make the high art um, emerge, the like the 
the the pieces that are going to become that are going to come together uh, into a level of craft that had not been witnessed before are are in play, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you can look at things like the original Mario Brothers or a game like Load Runner or any of those early platform games, um, which I mean, this is of course getting into pretty early video games in general, um, as being that kind of pre-Renaissance state. Uh, laying the groundwork for that initial bloom but i mean golden versus silver is like a whole other way of talking about these things right like gold golden age versus silver age comics right um and that would be another way that we could kind of frame the conversation i was just kind of going with uh something a little more generic in the sense that these these periods happen where um and especially as games have developed uh where things kind of start to gel and a next level of a specific genre or style comes to the fore mm -hmm. I gotcha. Yeah, I got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, about Braid. Um, like, I don't know about you. I hadn't heard of Jonathan Blow before Braid. And then suddenly everyone was talking about this guy. Yeah. Um, and it was like, whoa, what is all the buzz about? And then you, you pick up this game. And it is also notable that in that kind of, in that between, say, 2006 and 2012 window, roughly, uh, you started, this was not the only game that messed around with time. Uh, there was a, a little bit of a trend of like, hey, why don't we play with time a little bit that was that was kind of happening there. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that was done, uh, what can I say, not arbitrarily, but like, oh, let's play with this mechanic just to have a mechanic, right? And I'm having trouble coming up with uh, specific examples. But Like, like um, the Prince of per Persia, I don't know if that was... Oh, Sands of Time? <laughs> that might have even come after, uh, but... No, but Sands of Time is definitely stands. before. Sands of Time is definitely before, and yeah, I think it, it might be more like two thousand two thousand four or five even. But yeah, you have you have this gameplay mechanic that uh, works within the story, the narrative, and the game itself, but is not yeah. thematically tied to uh, the you know the experience. It's not. It, it it is it a very like Hollywood blockbuster style implementation of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you think per se. Right. Whereas Braid, each um, level, well, not each level, each phase, I guess, because each of the segments has like a few levels in it. Right. Yeah. Um, and each one has its own weird relationship with time and set of puzzle challenges that you're trying to fix. Uh, but then they've also got these like compelling titles. Right. It's time and forgiveness, time and mystery, time and place, time and decision and hesitance. Um, and then, of course, our final level, which is actually number one, right, and does not have a title beyond being being one. Yeah. Um, and yes, I don't have all of that knocking around inside my head, um, especially when my mind has been other places this week. I definitely was all about pulling up the Wikipedia page before before getting into today's rank. Um, the thing about this game that, for me at least, the witness did not do. <laughs> And obviously, I, it's like it was everyone's much anticipated next Jonathan Blow game. And maybe, maybe if I ever return to that game and dig into it enough, I will feel this way more about it. Um, but every element of Braid felt very purposeful, um, down to especially uh, the idea that you're putting together this puzzle, mm -hmm. but that in the final chapter, the entire meaning of the puzzle is flipped, right? But you have been putting together this puzzle the whole time. Yeah. It's just you've been putting it together in the wrong order. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, 
special game and I remember how it felt to play it for the first time and Xbox Live Arcade was still so new mm-hmm. and this entire space was still new in, in as far as consoles went and like there's always been tiny little indie projects on PC uh, which is fantastic but having okay if you have an Xbox here's Braid like it's going to yeah. be served up to you there can be this whole conversation maybe even a zeitgeist associated with it and that was something very special and um i distinctly remember like i well not that it's that hard but i remember like where i was living and i remember oh shit like this this is a thing now you know in those sort of squishy xbox 360 controller buttons and i remember like just jumping on uh, there's whatever the goomba stand in the little guy with the little yeah face and then rewinding and yeah just being blown away by the yep you know as you kill and unkill and even that thing of like oh you felt like you're pretty far through this part of this little platforming sequence Mm -hmm. and then realizing you got to take it all the way back you know and just watching you go yourself go back and like i think something that i didn't realize i was doing mentally when i was first playing that game but that i came to recognize i was doing was using rewind to help solve the puzzle, not just to take another shot at it. Mm-hmm. Cause at first you feel like, Oh, this is great. You know, I die. I can just bring it back and, uh, and try again. But then you start to realize like, Oh no, you know what, when you're rewinding, you can kind of see maybe where you made the wrong decision in a way that you might not see going forward. Yeah. Um, you know, never mind the fact that, yeah, obviously there are, parts of uh, parts of it that it's just the fundamental mechanic to to get past stuff in the first place so right um uh, yeah um i was gonna say i know um we were debating uh doing ranks at all or it, it all just being a, a bloodborne episode so we're not uh the most prepared for this but i i have to at least mention uh the soundtrack which is i was gonna say that braid had phenomenal music which i didn't refresh myself on i remember it being good and i like i actually have trouble remembering what the music was like though i just remember it being really good yeah um oh yeah there it is this is called downstream and of course hearing it rewind constantly too yeah but that's right it's got this very like new grass almost uh style to it yeah just very lovely and boys the game was hard like the game was really pretty punishingly difficult some games i can go back to and you pick it up and it's like okay i'm i'm in this groove solving puzzle but like by world three of raid now or stage three if i went back to it uh it's like oh my god i actually have to figure this out again I would have to relearn the puzzles for sure. And it wasn't Twitch hard. It wasn't Meat Boy hard. It, like right. it made itself extremely difficult in a way that was, I mean, I'm not going to say, cause I'm not, don't have the expertise. I'm not going to say more accessible. That's probably the wrong way to put it. Um, but more available to players who don't necessarily, who, who are, you know, otherwise maybe more strategically minded mm-hmm. uh, and might not be very good Twitch gamers. Yeah. Um, there is one other track that i thought i could pull up here uh yeah definitely bring it in the mix romanesca uh which is a lovely name and a lovely song you put an o at the end of it and it's that broccoli cauliflower thing 
Right. Is that the fractal? The fractal? Yeah, the fractal vegetable. I guess all all coniferous are fractals. I'm gonna say, as a professional produce buyer. There um, you go. <laughs> coniferous. You know, arguably yes. Uh, no, Cruciferous. it's not coni- <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Coniferous no, I... being pine cones. I'm like, are you right. selling people pine cones to eat? Because I, I mean, I know that you you work at a, you know, more. Uh, uh, how do I put it? Granola type it's, of uh, it's establishment. Crunchy. It's crunchy. Yeah, it's it's a bit crunchy, but I feel like pine cones might be a little too crunchy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I'm remembering this one now too. Man, I feel like I feel like I got to go back and just give the, the soundtrack to this game a listen. It's it works on its own. Like if you didn't yeah. even know, it was a it was a video game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... and I mean, this is totally invoking that like whatever medieval Renaissance. Mm-hmm. I. I I'm not historically musically educated enough to uh, to pin the era, um, but uh, it's just gorgeous, and it's it works so well with this theme of you know the monster and the knight and the princess and like yeah. Did you did you do any like diving into like oh this was about the atomic bomb? Did you read? Much oh no that. no i actually never uh i never saw that read i always uh, you know uh i just took it at, at the surface level so to mm-hmm. speak um so uh wow wow way to bring it back to the uh cold war right. part two. <laughs> yeah i guess for those who maybe because it is an older game um uh you know at the, the final stage you are you're sort of you're you're chasing the princess Right. Until this point, you think that you have helped the princess escape, and then in the end, it all gets Everything, rewound. Time runs you backwards. That you have been, you have been the, the bad guy chasing uh, the princess, and she is actually running away, running from, from you. And that there is this knight who rescues her from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't know there was a read about it though. That was uh, about about the atomic bomb. Yeah. Um, and it seemed, you know, seemed legit. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to have to just follow up on that one and give it give it a little check-in. Um, but uh, for now, uh, I don't think I actually said Braid is ranking at 42 after SimCity from last week, last week, from two weeks ago, from our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, putting it uh, below my anchor three of Carcassonne iOS Minesweeper and Thexter. So right on. the games that I will always wonder why I ranked them as early as I did. Well. You know, you can just keep on pushing them in with that that push broom, push them away. I expect I will for quite a while, quite a while. You know, they they all seem like they're probably going to wind up in my top 100. But although, which incidentally, it's weird that we're now, we've been at this now long enough that it doesn't sound crazy to think about getting to to 100 or even beyond. Yeah. And that's, we're still, it, it sort of undulates week to week, but we're still in the difficult period especially with top 50 being its own sort of thing uh, but eventually we're going to be ranking you know mavis beacon teaches typing uh because we're going to have but to. will we because let me tell you i have an ambition and uh uh you know in january i played one new game mm-hmm. and in february i managed two. Oh shit so now we're in march um and elden ring doesn't get to count for march which is part of my challenge that I have laid out for myself now, because certainly there'll be plenty of Elden Ring time, but I'm going to try and squeeze in at least a sample 
of three games in March. We'll see how it goes, which is the contention for your eventually will be ranking, you know, Mavis Beacon or um, pause the cat teaches typing as well. Um, that games keep coming out and new games may well be finding their way in long before we get down to things that I have in my unranked list that are not quite that, but are kind of close in terms of being like, wow, I remember playing that a lot in childhood, even though it's really not a good game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a handful of those uh, old Apple games slash PC games kicking around on my list. We'll see if they ever actually get into the ranks. But uh, for now, Paul, what do you got to rank for uh, for us for this week? Well, for this week, speaking of, you know, the top 50 being being uh, symbolically, uh, uh, you know, relevant um, for me this week, my new number 40 is none other than Bloodborne. Oh, wow. OK. From FromSoft. I was just talking to a colleague uh, at work today who said who identified it as uh, as their favorite game. And I've heard that sentiment yeah. before. So, you know. And I've spoken quite a bit about Bloodborne in recent episodes, uh, sung the praises. Uh, the music in Bloodborne is, is great, but I don't have a particular uh, affinity. Like if I were to go back to Dark Souls 3 and be like, yo, this is some Dark Souls 3 music. Although it is from things you haven't uh, actually seen yet, the, the one track in question. Um, I'm like, so wait, how many, how much game is there left in Dark Souls 3 that there are, oh, you're like, no, the one track in question. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. I mean, I know there's a chunk of game ahead for me, but I also know that in original content, I am on the original last boss. Not that that makes the, uh, not, you know, um, not that that makes, needless to say, uh, I'm well aware, aware <laughs> of, um, <laughs> The Ring City being non-optional DLC. It is the conclusion of the game. So, The conclusion of the game and of, of the Dark Souls story itself. Uh, uh, yes, yes, indeed. As the narrator says at the beginning of Dark Souls uh, 1. But, um, so yeah, I won't... But Bloodborne, know, yeah. Won't dwell too much on it. it. It dominated, you know, the second half of 2021 for me and uh, developed a newfound appreciation for it uh yeah one it, it's it's interesting as i think about it like the same thing happened with dark souls 3 and bloodborne where my initial playthrough i'm i feel like i'm sort of coming to terms with what the game actually is almost the entire time huh. and then by the end of it i'm like oh my god that was great or by this second playthrough i'm like in the case of bloodborne yeah how did i not like why why didn't i like cathedral of the deep the first time through like it's an amazing level you know yeah but it's just it was hard and confusing and being confused and like knowing that you should know more or feeling that you should know more is not a pleasant state to to be in or at least not entirely pleasant um yeah and that all sort of colors one's experience but uh as i'm playing and you are foreshadowing elden ring go on well, yeah, and as I'm playing Elden Ring, I, I have all this in mind, and also there is a dynamism to the combat in Bloodborne. Uh, if, even if you are just looking at the trick weapon being something yeah. you can open and, and close a, a, as you go, like well, and the inclusion of the pistol as the disruption, yeah, as a disruption mechanic instead of having parry, um, you know, you've got you've got the sidearm, right, and that's um, 
it makes it gives it a totally different feel from the other games. Yeah. And a feel that I wasn't um, totally, I don't know. I was on board with it, but I, I it's because you, you're always comparing it to, well, I am always comparing it to Dark Souls, but not only Dark Souls, but my entire romanticized decade plus history uh, with Dark Souls. Um, yeah. But all this is to say. Now, granted, that, it was not a decade plus at the point that you first touched Bloodborne. True. The way combat works in Elden Ring has me appreciating even more uh, Bloodborne. the combat in, in Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, and then again, with the whole, uh, uh, you know, top 50 thing, and this is coming in at number 40 mm -hmm. for me now. Um, good Which old... is above five other games. So that's a, that's a break for you. It is less common for you to, to, to bump, uh, you know, titles that much. Yeah. I just, I, I kind of felt like I had to little King story at number 39. I, you know, special place in my heart. I can't, I can't, uh, dump it down any further, but, um, finally getting the full uh you know the full experience of the game and also like megaton uh lore explosions in yeah my, in my mind um continuing over and over like i'm like oh this is the last big chunk but it's like oh no there's 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 more um so yeah that's uh that is my number 40 uh blood born awesome one of these days i'm gonna beat that first werewolf with my bare hands I'm sure. I'm sure you will. I'm sure. I mean, honestly, will. with my souls playing at this point, I probably could. But why would I do that to myself? <laughs> yeah, um, I've been getting into uh, challenge runs lately, where people set these arbitrary things, and one of them was like, "No hunter's dream" in Bloodborne, so uh, you never get. The weapons and like uh you never get any weapons yeah that's madness mm -hmm. trying to beat the game with your bare fists yeah there there must be another wrinkle to it that i'm forgetting but uh maybe those... a little further in it's possible to acquire a weapon outside of the dream oh yeah it totally would be it yeah totally you you get your choice of the initial one but then a little ways down the road there are weapons that you can find for sure so Let's get into it. Let us get into it. We didn't really talk about how we're going to get into it uh, in, in any formal prep, except to say um, the, the reason why we didn't wind up getting a pod in last week was not actually, I wish it had just been like we were just both playing Elden Ring too much. I had some personal stuff that came up um, that made an already challenging scheduling situation all the more challenging. Um, and uh and I'm just, I'm just diving in here. I, um, and this is kind of a background that I, um, was trying to preserve, uh, a crisp, clear window of time to start this game Yeah, where I was excited about it and sober, um, and, um, and had a good, like few hours to, to jump into it and really get uh you know get my feet wet and due to the absolutely chaotic nature of stuff going on last week uh basically none of those things happened yeah. for me um in fact i like had a night uh it was not even the night that it released it was the next night um because things were too messed up that night um where 
I wound up like playing Apex because I was like, there was an event that was going on that was pointless, whatever. Um, and I, uh, you know, was like, oh, no, I'm not ready to get into Elden Ring. And then I'd cracked mm-hmm. a few beers and maybe a couple more. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to fucking try this game. And on the one hand, it means that my initial memories of like the first few areas are hazier than I would prefer them to be. On the other hand, I'm glad that I broke the seal on this game and didn't try to keep it precious. Uh, It might've been like a week before I actually even got around to playing it. Um, And so it was good in, in that respect to be like, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of that, that preciousness off and I'm just going to get into this game so that I can get it started. Yeah. Sorry about the, the roughness i hope uh, it's you know improving or or uh, life is complicated yeah. and i don't really get into personal stuff on the pod in general um you know the background on all of this stuff all, all i can say is that my home life is good and so if any listeners are concerned about that don't be concerned about that but life involves uh you know networks of people who, who are in your world and things can be can be tough um so yeah leaving all that aside though um, that's kind of my personal background on on getting into Elden Ring, and then there was a subsequent night. Once I was like, okay, fuck it. Now, granted, I'm I'm keeping a much more sober footing right now. Um, in general, I say as I take a sip of scotch, but um, <laughs> but it did lead to a, a, a second night in which I was pretty three sheets and like running all over the world, uh, yeah. riding all over the world actually, because I was like, well, fuck it. At this point, I've already gotten into it, um, and so there are some levels I don't remember acquiring. <laughs> um, but one thing that's a huge departure in this game from, from previous games is the map. Yeah. And in this particular instance, that's a huge boon because you have literally no other record apart from your inventory of which NPCs you've talked to and what you've discovered. But the map, at least you can be like, Oh wait, no, no. Okay. I kind of remember that area. Um, I, here's a here's another spot of grace and when i go there i go like oh oh yeah that's right now i was in here and i encountered that i seen i've seen this before uh, maybe there was an npc over here or something you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's very overwhelming i i continue to feel overwhelmed uh by it um in a less negative way than than at first now it's more of just a sort of a curiosity uh, oh, but, I was initially actually pretty negative on this game too. I got to be honest. Yeah, interesting because yeah, I I kind of was too, and I'm still sort of figuring out how I feel about it. It gets more and more positive as I play more, um, and it goes back to like comparing it like to to Dark Souls, which is inevitable because yeah. in everything it. but name, it could be Dark Souls, uh, but it is its own thing, and it is more Dark Souls than it is Bloodborne. Right. In my opinion, um, the combat feels a lot like Dark Souls 3. For sure. Like a lot, a lot like Dark Souls 3, at least when you're not on the horse. Yeah. Um, oh, man, there's just, yeah, where, where, to, where to even begin? But I guess with what you were saying, with being sort of negative on it, like uh, I had a rough couple of days where this was just in the back of my mind, like when I'm at work and stuff, like. I've been waiting years for this thing and I don't know if it's 
if I like it that much, and some of my gripes, uh, I don't think are going to go away. Um, but but it all comes back, or most of it comes back to me um, having trouble accepting the game on its own merits as its own thing. Like if I just picked this up, not knowing anything about Dark Souls, I would love it, and I and I do love it. Uh, but I wouldn't have all these these hangups. Um, like the fact that they have this compass at the top of the screen that you can't turn off. Like, go ahead and give players a compass. Let us turn it off. But let right. me turn it off. Like, it's kind of big. And I don't need to, I don't care if I'm going north or whatever. Like, uh, so that's a little weird. And then a big one for me is actually the music. There's um, always music. I, I think it was on the second night I turned off the music and I turn it back on for boss fights. Um, but it really kind of takes me out of it. And well, that's another thing that would be a really nice to have an option to turn off the music except for boss fights. Well, yeah. Although it's not that not that hard to, to turn it back on. But um, that's true. And when you're doing a boss fight, you're you're probably doing it over and over. You're spawning someplace close by and you're going to be doing it repeatedly probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing, and this all sort of was culminating in me just not being able to get into the, a groove with this game for for the first few nights my playstation it's you know took on a bit of dust over the years and this thing sounds like a jet engine Ooh, now that doesn't help yeah when i'm playing elden ring and i i have my earbuds in and it doesn't drown it out um so i went and i bought some over the ear um headphones still doesn't drown it out but really? if i turn if i turn this big fan on behind me and sit sort of kitty corner to the PS4, now it's okay. Uh, so what That's that resulted funny. in, if I had the music turned up, that would, yeah. that would drown out the whining. But then I'm hearing you this didn't want the music, extremely though. repetitive music. And, like, and I'm trying just to be chill about it, but I just, <laughs> with some things, I just can't. And so that really colored my first, uh, you know, few a couple of few nights with with Elden Ring. So I mean there was definitely the initial sense of this is Dark Souls for plebs. Uh, no, I won't say casuals. Mm -hmm. It's still hard enough that there's no way that you could say that this is a game for anyone who is is a casual gamer who identifies themselves as lighter, you know, in their engagement with games. Like, I would not recommend this to somebody who was like, you know, I thought Bloodborne was too hard. I'd be like, oh, try Elden Ring. Like, okay, you could experience a bunch of Elden Ring, but at the end of the day, you're going to have boss fights where if you are not comfortable with the Souls-like mechanics and with that style of third-person action, you're just going to hit a wall. You know, there's no question about that. Like, it is, it, it is still a difficult game. Um. And I mean, sure, you can overlevel to a point. And I mean, I haven't done that yet. Um, I'm currently level 15, so I have not overleveled yet. But um, in relation to, say, that first boss fight. But um, first, what, what can I say? Proper boss fight? I found at least one, unless I killed another one and don't remember it, which is possible. Um, but I have killed at least one open world boss. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty cool. Um, but this also touches on the problem for our approach to these games and talking about this game, which is 
the open worldness, which is also part of what I hit a wall with on it initially for sure. I still, I'm still not sure if I like the fact that it's open world. It's how I felt about Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Breath of the Wild getting all these tens, all these games of the year. I'm like, this is diluting this what I like about it. But I think part of that is you don't really get into what they call the a legacy dungeon until after you beat that first main boss. Like yes. Maybe you can sneak around and do other stuff, but like it's sort of these cookie cutter like catacomb and mine levels and stuff um, until you get to this, uh, uh, you know, this this castle and Margit, is that his name? Margit the Fell Omen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do just for those of you out there who are who are into this stuff. Um, I had to text this to Paul earlier, which is you should put these foolish ambitions to rest here, too, if you like. <laughs> right. Yeah. <He's... laughs> or alternatively, this spot marks our foolish ambitions to rest. <laughs> right. Very challenging boss. Uh, uh, which incidentally, know. I do need to interject. I did finally get the fucking twin princes to second stage. Oh, and right. Downed Lorian and saw him rezzed much yeah. to my fucking chagrin and realize just how deep that fight is. And I will also throw in as a side in my first hour of playing Elden Ring, I was like, fuck this. I should just go back and beat those fucking princes right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, you were saying. Yeah. Um, you know, challenging boss. I, I did beat Margaret uh, a couple, you know, like four or five hours ago today here, but I summoned in a pack of nobles with like the ashes uh, thing. Oh, and then I also nobles. summoned I found them yet. Um, yeah, I have a, yeah, I've I've found some skeletons, a jellyfish, and wolves. Okay, yeah. Um, Do you have all and, three of those? Um, I don't have the. No, I don't have the skeletons or the jellyfish. Okay, so that tells me you have not beaten the open world boss. Um, that I have beaten that gave me the uh, the skeletons. I mean, you certainly didn't beat the the tree sentinel yet. No, okay. no, no. Um, and again, this is a difficult thing about talking about it. So you, did you also use the summoning sign out front or no? Yes. Oh, I should maybe consider that. <laughs> well, and I didn't want to. And were you I, consistently phase twoing him and you just felt like, fuck this, I just want to keep moving forward? Yeah. Because he's he's not the hardest souls boss, you know, that I've encountered by a long shot. Yeah, I'm at 15 now, and I feel like it's doable. It's a question of how much I want to suffer. He's not the hardest, but in a way, he's the smartest because the way he makes you want to dodge when you shouldn't dodge and then will just smack you, it's really smart. It's like FromSoft is saying, like, a problem. Yeah, it's smart in the sense of, like, hey, you souls and Bloodborne players, fuck your experience. But it's almost like, fuck your bad habits. Like it is panic, like your bad panic habits. rolling is a bad habit. It it's... is a bad habit. And it is like, I actually just got to that point with this fight today where I was like, be patient. That's a really long windup. Just don't start rolling when he's doing that long windup, wait for right. him to be ready to deliver it and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know? And it was like, boom, the light goes off and it's like, okay, all of that panic rolling that I have done in every dark souls game that has gotten me through many fights and which may still get me through some stuff in Elden Ring is it is fundamentally a bad habit that's chewing up stamina for no good reason. But it's 
I mean, I was doing it earlier when I managed to beat him like it, you know, it's, yeah. it's all too easy. And I really love the sort of the dialogue that you feel from soft and mm -hmm. uh, Miyazaki having with the player. Like, yeah, we have this timed to a T now where if you panic roll, you're going to have enough time to panic roll three times. And on that third roll, as you come out of it, you're going to get obliterated. Yeah, um, you're going to get walloped, especially that big long strike that he does. And then I also really like, in terms of the intelligence of the design of this boss fight, in phase one, it, he does that jumping attack at you. And it's like, this is a sweet opportunity. I just need to do a little bit of a late roll and I'm going to get some good hits on him. No problem. Mm -hmm. And then in phase two, when he busts out, like with his, his weird magics, he can turn his staff into a giant golden hammer. Yeah. And suddenly that's like, nope. Now for phase two, get the fuck away when he's doing that. Cause if you're in radius of the relatively small AOE, he'll fucking obliterate you. Yeah. Um, and that's great. That's really good design right there. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was a little a little disappointed sort of in myself that when I did beat him, it was with uh, basically two summonses. And I kind of treat the summoning like wolves or nobles or as not, like yeah. just another ability. Yeah, it is. From... I think it's meant to be. I actually yeah. really do think that's that it's meant to be. Also, it has a pretty long cooldown on it, if I'm not mistaken. Well, or it's something. either a cooldown or you... I think you can only do it in boss fights, and you can only do it one at a time. You can definitely only do it one at a time, because in boss fights, you can't get into the menu to swap out your stuff. And I think it only lets you have one of them. Maybe later you can have more than one of them, but at least at the stage that you and I are at in this game, hmm. there's only one item slot. I think there are two. And I think I, I think one of them is like frozen out for me, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Interesting. I think there might be the ability to have two, but it's still being pretty particular with you about about what you can do with that. So, yeah, and there's just so much that we don't know yet, and which is fun, but also sort of as a veteran, you feel like you should, yeah, know it. That's, so that can be a little uncomfortable. Um, like, what is this icon on my HUD that looks like a little? arch of a of a stone arch oh what the fuck is that yeah. yes i don't exactly know <laughs> i don't know it comes up in certain areas and yeah. there it is menacingly right like at first you don't necessarily think of it as menacing and then you start realizing that it seems to be when bad shit's going on yeah um i am still trying to pin something down have you oh uh, fuck it have you, have you found any map pieces yeah okay good um, it seems to me that when a ruin site or something like that has a color to it, that it's kind of giving you a sign that there might be a map piece around here somewhere, but I'm not sure of that. Mm. Like I found two or three of them. I think only, maybe only two at this point. And well, that is a pretty delightful aspect, um, yeah. of the map that of like it going from, you know, it's big gray tannish, whatever. To like, oh man, look at the de loving detail, you know? Yeah. Um, and this sort of brings us to maybe the next sort of chapter or, or hurdle here. I, I, I have a feeling that you and I are both going to want to relax our spoiler aversion. We need you to some extent. A, a bit. Um, you know, and, there, and there are things where I'm going to trust you because you're a little bit out ahead of me. Um, and I'm going to just trust you to like, you know, have discretion. But then similarly, because of the open world nature of it, there are things that I have found already that you have. Oh, like, you're sure. like, wait, like, what the fuck is that? And like Alexander, like maybe I've met him. Uh, I if just you feel have, like you wouldn't forget him. 
He's a very unique But character. I haven't forgotten people, but I've forgotten maybe their names. So, Fair enough. Um, well, I mean, should I just ask you the question that will tell you whether or not you've met him? Sure. Have you met a giant pot? Uh, no. I know okay. that there are giant pots. There are giant pots, and one of them is named Alexander. Um, with arms and legs. Uh, yep, he has arms and legs. I've seen one of them as an enemy now. Uh, past, oh, you have. A bit past Margaret. Uh, but, yeah, um, I had learned that there are, in fact, enemies that are giant pots through a very minor spoiler in an article. Um, okay. When I think I was probably trying to remember what his name was, and that might be why I yeah. ended up reading that short article. Um, but yes, there is a friendly NPC. Um who is a giant pot and you have not found him yet. Yeah. Um, and at this, like, it's one thing if I look up a bunch of lore about Bloodborne or something and then yeah. I'm conflicted about sharing it with you, but if we're approximately in the same space of a game, like, it's natural to swap stories. And It's just frustrating with this game because there are all these kind of cool bits that you want I want you to have the, the, the experience of discovery that I did. Right. Um, and I'm sure likewise, but the structure of this game is highly prohibitive of that. It's not like I can just say like, Oh yeah, you must've passed that by, you know, maybe go back, check out this other place because right. there's a thing there, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like that, but it's not like, um, you know, in dark souls going through the tapestry the first time the painting. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, where it's like there's a thing you gotta go explore that area i'm not gonna tell you what you'll find yet you know like because it's a lot of the stuff might be non-essential but uh, we don't know yeah well i feel i feel i feel good about about this because it is the game itself like the only reason i know it is because the game explicitly tells you but um on the map if you haven't so when you haven't yet claimed the map for that location yeah. there will be a little icon nonetheless on your map and if you go there you will find the piece of the map it's not the little like the little ruins icon um well it is a little icon but it's not a it's not an icon that is like superimposed on it it's an icon that's like baked into the unfinished map is it the color of the map or is it a slightly off color from the rest of the un, of, of the map um it's just like a line drawing of a i don't even know what but okay so what you're telling me is for instance it's not one of those two ruins icons that i'm showing you here i'm missing that map piece is going to be somewhere in the gray that i haven't found at all yet right is that what i'm yeah. okay that's thank you that's extraordinarily useful information i have no problem that's not a spoiler at all um that's just that's actually one of my few um frustrations with uh with this game that uh i that it's a it's a design feature not a bug and it's a carryover from souls and bloodborne um but in an open world game not having certain bits have like a reference for them and having to figure them out is a bit of a hassle um, it's not the, where should I go? The mm-hmm. fact that that stuff is buried in NPC dialogue and stuff like that. I am super, super okay with that. Um, but it, it, it is something like, well, how do I get the map pieces to show up? Like, I don't know if anybody actually told me that in dialogue and I forgot about it, 
but it's it, here's another one for you. I have picked up the kick uh, skill. Yeah. And I can't figure out how to use it. Okay. I mean, it's tied to like I have a I have a sword. And with it, I have the kick. Yeah, I know that the the forgotten war skills or whatever the heck they're called um, are tied to certain types of, of weapons. Oh, but you're saying um, you have the actual item of the kick. I'm not sure. Yeah, it says in theory I should be able to use it. Like I acquired the skill. Um, you have go to, to like the shack with the person who trains you on the skills, right? Like you don't start out with parry. You need to go learn parry. Well, maybe you did. It depends on the class. So if you're wielding a short sword in the beginning mm -hmm. of the game, you already have kick. Well, then what's the point of spending not souls, whatever the heck they're called, on uh, this person in the shack who has the skills? I'm I not sure because I, needed... I don't think I've met this person in the shack who has the skills. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See, there you go. I don't think so. So minor spoiler, there's a person in a shack who whatever. Uh, I can't remember what the name of that screen is called in the menu, but there's a screen that shows you like which skills you have. Right. Um, and you can get them trained and it's like the equivalent of getting sorceries trained. Um, yeah. And then you can map, you can apply them to a particular weapon. Like oh, if you have a weapon that works. Yeah. But you need a particular item to do so, which you may have already found because it's pretty early. Oh, um, yeah, I missed it. oh, geez. This might be why I've been like, how the heck do I kick? I feel like I have a weapon where I should be able to kick with it based on the description of kick. Yeah. But, uh, you need a whetstone and oh i think i might have one um i'll have to check on that yeah uh <laughs> but on the sub let's see well, let's get I... back into it this has been quite the diversion um for a while i i was sort of floundering and sort of enjoying tooling around the open world a little bit but not it not feeling great and uh just a couple of nights ago because i i started a couple of classes um yeah. i started the uh uh the the holy magic class the not the prophet uh but the uh not the no it is like the prophet or something it's the astrologer is the sorcerer right no it was the prophet. yeah so yeah i started with one of those and wielding a spear and just kind of wasn't wasn't really feeling it didn't feel powerful or empowered and so they then start I with a spear yeah oh maybe i should have gone with that oh well uh, and then i switched to the um confessor which is the sort of hybrid uh magic user class and still kind of wasn't feeling that and because i was trying to break away from my tendency to play just a fucking sorcerer caster <laughs> yeah like well whatever i i want to just blow stuff up with spells so then i started the astrologer um but still wasn't like the weird thing was I didn't really want to do anything in the game. I didn't really want to go fight Margaret because I knew I was going to lose. I didn't want to go. I didn't really feel like going and exploring because I didn't really know why I was doing it. Um, yeah, I do feel like that's actually a foundational challenge. Like that, it's a bit of a design flaw. It, it initially, it, at least. Well, and maybe through and through it either a design flaw or a design philosophy sure. in that it's an open world game, which I just don't think I like, like, cause I loved Witcher two and then yeah. Witcher three was open world and I didn't like it. I love Zelda and breath of the wild kind of left me cold because in part, because it's open world. Um, 
but with with Elden Ring uh, two nights ago, I uh, went like, fuck Margaret, I'm just going to explore around. And I met this guy in a church who said, hey, there's this magic college and you oh, can yeah. see it. OK, so you've been. I've met him. Okay. He can train you in very simple sorceries that I haven't learned yet. Right. Um, two of them are default starters for for my class. So he couldn't do much for me. But he told me uh, about this uh magic college real you need to find the key for it oh so you've been all the way i've covered a lot of ground okay i gotta tell you because like i had a similar feeling and i was like well at least i like riding this horse yeah (laughs) honestly that's where i like i spent a good number of hours doing a lot of fucking exploring because i was like well i'm definitely not ready for this boss fight I'm really not sure where I should be going to level up Mm -hmm. and I don't want to just go arbitrarily grind. That's like a big deal for me. That's actually been a big part of the challenge with the open world nature of the game is not knowing where is a productive space to go kill enemies. that doesn't just feel like I'm grinding it out just to get the level, but feels like I'm going to level as in the process of doing something else meaningful. Yeah. And I think I'm starting to feel like there are more spots in the world that it is a little more purposeful than that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, this is kind of the, the point that you're talking around as well, right? It's just a different, a different angle on the same point. Yeah. Um, and sort of lacking, lacking motivation and being like, yeah. why am I? Um, but this guy said, okay, there's the, oh, and I guess precursor to this, like I start with two spells as like the glass cannon sorcerer mm-hmm. type. And I'm like, I need more spells like this. It just ain't cutting it. Uh, so he tells me about this magic college, and I finally then have uh, an impetus, a goal, a yeah. desire. And he tells me about this towering castle over the water to the north, and it can only be this one. For a while, I thought it was the final location in the game because it is so like grandiose against the horizon. But so I rode all the way out there, and I'm like, finally, like I'm on a quest. Did you find an elevator? Um, like an elevator, but the elevator isn't there. Yeah, it's called a something lift, except there's yeah. no fucking lift. And I was like, finally, it's a Dark Souls game. Here's an elevator. Where's the fucking elevator? Right. It's like all this buildup. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it seems like you and I have explored some sort of the same. At least a lot. I mean, and, I've I've got a lot of the map. When I, when I realized I could zoom out, yeah. um, I was like, holy shit, I've actually explored quite a lot. Uh, this is a total tangent, but have you encountered any any particular traps of of note hmm. that are somewhat uh, related to what we're talking about? No, I don't think so. Okay, then I, I won't to think. You I you would found a. I mean, is it is it a mob that is a trap, or is it just a straight up trap that is a trap? Almost none of the above, but you'll. I'm sure. Okay, because I've encountered something that's essentially like a mob that is a trap-like mob, but no, um, not. But I have not encountered. Um, have you? Have you been pretty far to the south as well? Well, I found that there's a tower or a, a castle. More not. You, maybe that's around there. There's like a road with a flaming like impasse that looks like you can't pass it. And the first time I encountered it, I turned around. I was like, well, I'm obviously not supposed to go here yet. And then earlier today, I was like, wait a second. I'm on a horse that can jump. I can go around this thing. 
the double jumping whoever decided that it should be a double jump it, it, that is an inspired choice like it is really fun platforming with the horse i mean also have you found any of the founts that the horse can use to yeah it? yeah that's that's great that's Those delightful um you know i have found but have not i know what it's that you're supposed to use that thing to figure this out but there's that giant thing walking around with a bell underneath it i okay i haven't seen that you've seen it in the i know what screen, you're right? talking about but yeah I, I found it. it. I yet. found it. I don't remember exactly where it was, but it's near one of those things. And clearly you are supposed to use one of those things to get oh, nice. your way to land on top of the darn thing. Cool. And then I have no idea what is contained inside or what you do next. Yeah. Uh, Cause I was like, well, I'm just learning how to get this horse off of the ground. I'm not going to spend the next half hour trying to like precisely land on top of a walking thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the, with the, the sorcery thing, like feeling like I had and a purpose and that is like the strength of the open world because yeah. it's like I want this thing and I'm curious about it and I have this lead and now I am just like the game isn't telling me to do this there are no quest markers there's no quest log but yeah. I want more spells I heard a rumor about this magic college and I'm gonna fucking ride my horse to it and see what's up and that felt really good and then i get there and of course the main oh here's so like i'm riding up to it and i see these angled rocks giant slabs around the base of it and i'm like oh sweet i can like ride my horse up there jump up and then i can start exploring this castle it's like no it's a dead end with some awful enemies because that's not how <laughs> castles work you can't just fucking enter at will from the ground level like it's a castle it has walls for a reason uh so then I, I find my way to the front gate locked by magic but i hear um i don't remember where but it was someone saying oh there's this meeting place for people who want to get into the school uh and it was there was this little uh map fragment that i found not an actual like map item. I found that map fragment. Yeah. It looks like it's on an island. I don't exactly know how to get right. there. And then I'm like, ooh, if I find the map map for this area, then it will become more clear where this thing is. So then I'm like, well, how do I do that? And that was when I discovered that it shows you the location of the map fragment on the incomplete map. So then That's I had my next leg of the quest of like, yeah. ooh, I got to go find this thing. Found that. And then I found the meeting place, found the key to get into the magic school. So you were able to get to the island. I, I was. Yeah. Because it's clearly on an island. Okay, cool. Well, it's on an island in a swamp. So it's not like ah, a... Yeah. Okay. I wonder if... Uh, okay, interesting. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm currently fighting my way through this, uh, you know, magical academy. So uh, that you can learn some magics. So that I can get some more magics. And like... I still have my misgivings about the open world being what it is, but like that was a, that was a very fun, empowering, uh, you know, little quest of my own making. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I have been softening to the opening open world for somewhat similar reasons, but I have a related problem with it for me personally, that definitely comes from my expectation. Um, from Dark Souls 3, from Bloodborne, from Dark Souls. Um, and related from having finished Kana. Um, which, like, again, that game is going to shake up my ranking significantly. Uh, I, I'm, 
I'm really fucking blown away by that game. Mm-hmm. And while there is a clear third person action souls, like um, kind of a lessons learned that inform it. It's very much not that at all. It's got a, a really clear narrative mm-hmm. with characters and you are a character, a named character, and you don't, you don't, really choose that much in terms of how you level and allocate abilities you're going to get everything eventually because you have to for the game to work um but between playing dark souls 3 and finishing kana both of those games have something that dark souls and bloodborne also have which is a density of interaction yeah that especially until you have completed an area in the game you never feel like the world is empty at all you know, you right. feel like this is a living world with lots of stuff. And so far, there have been big swaths of my experience in Elden Ring where it just feels very empty. Yeah. And that's actually honestly like I've warmed up to the game a lot, but that is still the biggest knock I have against it is that the design of it as open world seems to have come with a trade off um, that's kind of a natural trade off where you just don't have the density of both enemies and NPC characters, non-player character characters, goddamn Moses, um, <laughs> to, to fill the world out and to give it a sense of like that artificial sense of it almost feeling like the real world that games do by way of things being packed actually too tightly together compared to like a real world environment, right? Yeah. Um, that's been honestly the one thing that, that, that is still kind of irking me about it. But, um, you know, it's clearly got me because I've got to tell you, um, the uh, area right outside of Margit, um, the something or another ruins. Yeah. Fucking fuck me. I spent like an hour obsessed with trying to take down the big knight with a spear in that area and i had like three thousand freaking souls farmed but i Mm. wouldn't let go the idea of taking this guy down and i lost all those goddamn souls once again so i'm like yeah it is at its core it's doing a really good job of being a a souls born game in this respect of getting you in that hook of the challenge of a space once you find a space that you want to be challenged by um, it just doesn't lay out the path for you because that's counter to the design of this game. And it does lay out a path. It lays the... out. It does lay out some pathing. But I mean, the difference is that I ran up to Margaret as a level one character or maybe level two. I maybe leveled once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, great. This is the path. This is the first boss. Ah, maybe this boss is designed for, you know, for you coming in here at level one. And um you know, and it's kind of your intro fight in the way of so many of these games having their first boss fight that like gets you oriented to the world. And if you haven't really right. leveled yet, it's okay. Um, no, that's not no. the case at all. And the problem that follows from that is where am I supposed to go to level up and it not feeling like there's a really clear path unless I missed something, which I'm probably, well, I mean, in. where are you supposed to go to level up? I mean, the answer is everywhere, anywhere you but want, but that's not, yeah. but that's not the answer that you necessarily want or, or a helpful answer. Uh, I'll put it this way. Like when you go to the gargoyles, you are in that environment of um, uh, the, what's it called? The, um, the undead Berg, the undead Berg, the undead parish, parish, the undead parish. 
And so if the gargoyles are still giving you trouble and you feel and you need to level up, sure, you could go somewhere else, but this is the natural environment to level up. And it feels very much like, okay, I should fight things around here. I should be able to take down one of these big knights pretty easily, maybe before I go up back up to those gargoyles again. Yeah. Um, and that is so far still something that like is, does feel like it's, it's missing for me. Like you have the, the world is your oyster, but that doesn't necessarily help you make decisions uh, about this part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be tricky and, you know, it does come back to trying to accept the game on, on, For its, what own it is, on its own terms terms yeah. and having faith in, in, in the devs. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, counter to that, there's something cool that happened. That's the other side of open world from what you from what you described um, in terms of the magic part that just yeah. happened to me earlier today. Um, I'd found an item. I don't remember where I found it exactly called the stone sword key. Yeah. And then I stumbled across the place to be able to use it. And it did have that rich world feel of being like, oh yeah, oh wait, this thing requires this. Oh, I have this in my inventory. I can use this here. Oh, cool. There's a nice little like tucked away thing down here in a reward for finding it that um, is empowering my character. Mm -hmm. And so like that is at the, at the other end of it. And it's something that you don't exactly get that out of a more linear game like a like a dark souls three yeah i don't know if i need crafting i don't know if i need to be picking up all these berries <laughs> do i need to be picking up all these berries well i think that if we want to do some co-op some of them need to be picked up because it's a craftable material that you use for co-oping if i'm not mistaken okay i'm not yeah. i read the description of one of the crafting items and it was like use this in order to you know okay. do things yeah <laughs> that's exactly what they all basically say use this in order to do things <laughs> right uh but and i and i'm starting to you know examine the world uh with with a critical eye with an eye for like the lore and and the stories and you know sometimes it seems to be coming up short in in a way but yeah as i sort of put my brain to it and think about it more it's like well Miyazaki and his team, I think they're smart enough. I, I don't think, cause like, okay, there are all these weird kingdoms and castles just sort of plopped around everywhere. There's no like villages. There's no like agricultural infrastructure. Oh, and that was the other thing like that I really love about Dark Souls is think of the beginning of Dark Souls itself when you are looking out uh, when you're in the graveyard uh, up by Firelink. And you're mm -hmm. looking out at all these concentric circles of these uh, walls going out. And there are these little like villages tucked away, places you could never visit. But you can't actually go. But, but it suggests a larger world and a real world and a lived in world. But yeah. when you can go everywhere, the everywhere has to make sense because you can't just have a wall and a little village far away to suggest yeah a living world you actually have to make the world itself make sense and i'm like well this some of it kind of doesn't but then uh, i was out for a walk the other night and my brain just started kind of spinning some some lore thoughts together so i thought yeah uh, you know we could we could compare notes um with that as well uh so like um there's this whole thing with with rune 
and like trees and like Dark Souls has always been. It continues trees. to be obsessed with trees. Were there trees yeah. in Bloodborne? I don't recall trees being important in Bloodborne. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but that is part of why this game really does feel very Dark Souls, like super Dark Souls adjacent. For sure. Um, so like you think about trees and runes and like you carve runes into trees. And I was in this cave and there were a bunch of like dead bodies sort of being fed up into the root system Ooh. of this tree and it's like do you become a tree and like what are what are the tarnished like what are we i certainly obviously don't know yet but when you start the game it's sort of in media res because you are already up in some area fighting this tough boss you that get, pretty much kills you instantly. Kills you instantly. You hear a splash as you are apparently thrown down into the waves below. And then you wake up and the game starts. But like your character had a, a quest from the start. And what was that and why? Yeah, I mean, so you're, you know, in the classic Dark Souls fashion, you are the you're you're the chosen tarnished. You are you're the special tarnished. Uh, because you've got it kind of prophesied that one tarnished will will engage in the um, you know the the challenge to to duke it out to see who will will kind of succeed as ruler of uh, of this domain, right? At least that's that's where we are at the outset. Which incidentally, um, this was another rough thing coming off of Cana, where I was like, oh, this is such a classic high fantasy, really fucking boring power narrative mm -hmm. <laughs> and i have had to actually get past that and just kind of ignore it to a certain extent um and uh it, it is sharply different coming from a game where combat is about helping souls pass on to the other onto their next onto the next world or out of this world um something that was like really fucking resonant and i'm like okay great so here we are again get more powerful beat big guys and right. and you know, not all male characters, presumably. I don't know. Um, but leaving that aside, yeah. Are you, before you are kind of saved and before the NPC who, <laughs> again, slightly problematic, you can't proceed without a maiden, even if your character right. is a woman. Like, that's like, okay, yeah, okay, right. No, we know what we're dealing with here in that respect. Between... Uh, between the, the the two gentlemen <laughs> behind the creative impulse of this game, uh, you can't just blame it on Japanese culture. Um, but tabling all of that, tabling all of that, what are you after when the game yeah. starts? It's completely, I, I am guessing by the time you get back to whatever that horrible scuttling boss is, or maybe it's not even a boss. Maybe by the time you're powered up enough to encounter those, they're, they're not bosses at all. Um, but I'm guessing that by the time you get back there, there will be some understanding of where you fell from, uh, at least that you should have picked up along the way. But at this point, yeah, I can't even begin to speculate. I don't know. Yeah. Well, sort of my initial like theory, because it's all like, it's all about like grafting, like grafting limbs from one thing to another. And like, did what you find the NPC who talks to you about how all of her friends have been taken yeah. and grafted onto spiders, but the spiders are probably not literal. 
Well, I, I don't remember hearing about the spiders, but I did talk to someone who said that. So it might be someone different or I might have just forgotten. But she even was saying how like people in general want to be grafted and she wants it too, but is afraid. Yeah. No, it's the yeah. same NPC. Okay. I don't remember you, the spiders, but yeah. She says stuff about spiders in okay. the dialogue too, which led me in doing a quick bit of research trying to recall something to see a, a Reddit post where somebody was like, I have arachnophobia. Are there spiders in this game? <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, probably at some point. But um, well, I will recommend that you go back to her because there's something there that you didn't get. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it this ties into something that I discovered about the game in the process of interacting with that character whose name I've forgotten. Um, the clock matters, the time of day matters, and sometimes okay. sometimes you might need to wait. Interesting. Because I had a couple of things happen essentially by accident, not by being technically like AFK, but um, where it's like, and, and that's a little bit different. It's not a question of just diving all the way down the dialogue tree it seems like maybe in some instances um being willing to be patient with the environment and not just run off to the next thing might be rewarded which is uh if i'm right about that is a very interesting departure yeah and you you can um pass time at the yep. sites of grace as which well, is which... clearly not an accident because right. they do want you like there is another npc that i think you maybe have not encountered um that i encountered simply because I went back to a location it was nighttime. Yeah. And I think she would not, I'm confident she would not have been there at another time. And, um, and from the dialogue, you might not see her again after you have that interaction with her. Mm. Um, but I don't think that means that if you haven't encountered her yet, that you can't, this is just me speculating. Yeah. Who knows? Right. This, these are the kinds of questions that until, we are either much further into or at least one of us is done with the game. Neither of us is going to be digging around online to find answers to some of these questions. Right. Um, so, yeah. Well, the other, the other thing along those lines, like the world sort of doesn't, doesn't make sense in some ways. And if it were a lesser studio, you'd be like, well, whatever, spend my disbelief. But I'm thinking it has to be intentional and what i'm wondering is are these powerful kingdoms or powerful entities able to graft uh their own uh, sort of uh structures their towers their castles into this space of the lands between and is that why because it's almost like spokes of a wheel there are all those like little solitary towers so it's very dark souls 3 in that respect dotted around yeah and actually, um, the place is called the lands between. So, Paul, you, you right. know, I was like thinking about this, and then like I was just about to say that when you mentioned it, and it's like I think you just hit on the answer to this question. It is not meant to totally make sense in a normal geography because Limgrave and these other areas, it is the lands between these places, are in fact not naturally contiguous. Right, and, and it it's probably something to do with the shattering of the Elden Elden Ring. Right. Or breaking, I don't think they call it shattering. And there's there's a big clue. And at first I was like, well, this is and it's another one of those things, it's like, well, this is unsatisfying and a weird oversight. But no, it has to be a deliberate clue. If you go the next time you play and look at just the very first map you get of of Limgrave and going up to that first boss, the path 
curves around. Uh, but when you look at the map, there is the road that continues on, but that part in the world is completely overgrown. There is no road there. So what I'm thinking is this map was created before uh, this towering structure was grafted onto the land. And that's why there is this road there that no longer exists. Interesting. Um, Certainly, kinda... I think the Elden Ring being broken, if nothing else, has had these repercussions of shattering. But I, but I also think that you're, you're totally onto something that um, there is the, the betweenness of this space and these things being kind of grafted into place. Yeah. Um, it, that is definitely a feature of the design of it. And it's definitely something interesting to kind of look for and think for. Yeah. Um, you know, that does remind me one thing that I was slightly annoyed by. Um, there's the giant who chases you up the um, that that long ravine path. Yeah. As, as you're heading up to Margit. And then the first time you get to the top of it, I don't know if you managed to avoid this, but I absolutely got punched in the face by a ballista bolt. <laughs> yeah. And it's so clear. And I was like, okay, great. It took me like a couple of times later when I was like, let me see if I can just lure him up here because clearly the ballista bolt is so that you can like potentially take this guy down. No, he won't no. follow you up out of the ravine. Yeah. He knows there's a giant ballista up there. You're just the stupid one who gets hit in the face by it. He already had that happen. He's like, I'm going back to my big safe ravine where I can just munch up players. And that reminds me as you're, as you're running up, as you sort of crest up to the, the top there, like a bunch of wolves appear but they fall out of the sky. Yeah, I've been in at least two different locations where wolves fall out of the sky. Which is such a video gamey thing, but not a thing that FromSoft would do. Like wolves can just exist on the ground. You don't have to have them fall out of the sky. So like, what does that mean? There's something weird about that because sometimes there are wolves on the ground, but there have been at yeah. least two spots on the map I've been to where wolves fell out of the sky and attacked me. And that's gotta be, there's gotta be something going on with that. I sure hope so. I, unless they just, and that gets back to sort of my, like, it feels like Dark Souls diluted in some ways, but whatever. It's Elden the Dark Ring. Souls for Plebs, it's, like part of it. I'm, I'm, it's going to be a while before I have a good answer to whether or not on some level it's Dark Souls for Plebs. Yeah. You know, but it's, gamers who are serious about, you know, having gaming skills, but uh, for whom the tightness of Dark Souls is a turnoff, mm -hmm. like that would theoretically be. Uh, you know what what might be and, and it kind of would ring true with the level of acclaim that this game is getting versus the uh, kind of initial like for both of us being like oh hmm. and that is that sort of is gets to the heart of my only real worry here in that oh my god this is from soft's most acclaimed game they're selling gangbusters so like, okay, this is what we need to do from now on. It's open world games. And I just hope that there is still room for a linear, a more linear, more crafted experience in the future. Well, if it doesn't come from them, it'll come from other, other quarters. Um, yeah. Is, is, is what I've got to say. Other places that have learned from these games. Yeah, that, that's true. You know, so I, I think there's that. I also would just like to reassure you if you were worried about whether the the heart of Dark Souls 3 is still here alive and, and beating an Elden Ring, 
The answer is yes, there is a giant fucking crab that will wall up the shit out of you. <laughs> I have seen some crabs. Yeah. <laughs> I saw small crabs and I was like, oh God. Oh, please tell me there's no. Oh, fuck. There he is. Yeah, I'm dead. I'm dead. A giant crab yeah. wasn't quite, you know, I didn't, I, I took a whack at it too. It was not quite as tough as, um, as the Dark Souls 3 giant crab, but it's still pretty fucking brutal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, inside joke that I actually do definitely appreciate. Fuck you, giant crab. For sure. <laughs> I think there's one, so there's a couple of other things that I wanted to mention. Um, and obviously we will have more to say about Elden Ring. Uh, in the in the coming weeks if not months one note i saw on one of the rock paper shotgun uh write-ups about it that again i i kind of skim like the front end of these things i don't click into them unless i have a high level of confidence and i'm not going to find something that's really spoilery um but they noted that none of the npcs really seem to laugh Mm. and i was like damn that's true and that's very much a Dark Souls Bloodborne, like the grim laughter yeah. of some NPCs is kind of a bit of a trademark thing that I feel like I haven't found anyone yet. They all are just very, very, very fucking solemn. Um, and I do kind of miss that too. I thought that was like a good call out from whichever RPS writer kind of hit that one as far as a like, um, it gels with my sense of like, ah, sometimes the world feels a little bit empty. Um it gels with that of like there are a lot of the familiar kind of shapes here and moves here but there's something that feels like it's missing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah something in that vein you know well i'll put your mind at ease a little bit i have encountered an npc that has a a creepy little laugh okay excellent it is excellent it is on the horizon and I did actually stumble across a spoiler that would indicate there is uh, an NPC that has a laugh in the game at some point, but I don't necessarily want to say any more because I think I might know who you're talking about. <laughs> is he familiar? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward to finding him somewhere in this world. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, I guess my last, uh, uh, question i wondered if you had made it to the round table hold yet i ducked in there and i was like oh this looks like it's for the multiplayer aspect of the game which i'm not having anything to do with right now so i promptly left but i suppose that i can return easily enough yeah i'm not mistaken i think it's i think it's more akin to the npc hub actually oh really yeah oh that's important to know then yeah so like the NPCs that train you, even though you can still find them in the world, you can maybe also find them there? Well, I think it's one or the other. I don't think they travel between them. Although I oh, haven't so met some NPCs the will go yet. there. Okay. Well, maybe. I m- maybe. I'm not sure. Well, for I, instance, the sorcerer who can train you in just a few meager sorceries, right? Um, yeah, but he's still hanging out at that church. He's not in the round table hold. Okay. Uh, so it might be mutually exclusive. Or, but some of them will go there. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. But yeah, definitely so, check back there. The other thing that I noticed was the reference to hunters does feel very, yeah. there are a couple of times I've seen in either text or, or um, like literally two times. And both of them did feel really bloodborne in terms of like how they're referring to hunters. And I'm like, what are you guys playing at? How much are you tying? How much or how little are you tying things together? I can't tell. I think at a certain point, it's just them having fun. 
because the amount of like phrases like oh this is a phrase uh, yeah I'm familiar with like i think i think that's just a little flavor for fans yeah for, for the most part anyway so far uh as opposed to any uh more formal um you know tie-in that says like oh yeah in the broader multiverse of these games there's a connection right yeah but who knows because these urn trees are all over the place and right we're gonna find out we're gonna find out something important about them sooner or later i would i would think so all right there's no way we're not there's just no way they're they're towering in the landscape yeah. and there's more than one of them yep and um and they seem pinned to certain corners of the map and of course yeah. there's a bunch of like praise the tree <laughs> messages that have been left behind all over oh, the place yeah i always turn all that off on my first playthrough i figured, I figured you were going to say that yeah I, I regret not being invaded because that would be fun but i just hate the entire world being cluttered by other stuff and also having like illusory walls spoiled uh like i found an illusory wall just on my own oh you did uh yeah earlier today uh and it was it, it, and illusory walls work the same like you can just attack them and they yeah. will okay yeah i saw a meme about that actually that was um on shitty dark souls uh which is a pretty great subreddit um but a dangerous one for me at the moment where it was like i can't remember which the meme template was but it's like your your dark souls player uh in elden ring on the like thousandth wall that they've attacked and it's finally an illusory wall see there i knew it yeah <laughs> something like that i'm like yeah i feel you i have definitely attacked a few walls in this game to no avail so far yeah i'm kind of cautious when i click on them honestly um i will after i feel like i have thoroughly explored an environment then i will click messages to see what they're offering and so like and then I'll upvote them if I felt like it would have been useful if I had been looking for a tip. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's like it's equal parts like knowledge that I don't necessarily want from just a random source and just like the visual noise on yeah. the landscape. I would rather preserve sort of the pristine, like the artist's vision. They didn't plan it like they knew that it would exist in, in, in the game space, but they didn't craft it that way intentionally. They planned you know? for it to exist, but they did not plan for where people were going to put things. Yeah. And yeah yeah i think maybe it'll get worse as time goes on but it's not too cluttered at this point there yeah. are like certain little areas have like a bunch of messages so for instance there's like a view of an erd tree and three people have left a message there trying to just farm farm those clicks that are saying something about something to the effect of praise the tree right um but like for the most part uh it's not not too bad so far so we'll have yeah. to see as time goes on um the last thing is I finally got a message on one of the load screen messages that explained that stakes of America are in certain parts of the map. And I just been like, I have no idea what these fucking things are, but when it gives me the op op option to do it, sure. Cause it seems like it'll be closer to where I died. Yep. Which has been inconsistent in terms of whether that was actually the case. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I still don't understand at all from a lore standpoint what they are i yeah. um curious whether or not it'll ever be explained because it is such a weird inconsistency um compared to the the respawning function in the game in general but um 
but it's small and forgivable. And if it occasionally makes things a little bit more, it was one of those things where I was like, Oh, is this something that recharges over time? Is this something that makes it easier for new oh. players who aren't familiar with the pain of crawling back to find your pile of souls yeah. only to get obliterated because you took a slightly weird path. Um, but no, that doesn't seem to be the case. They're regionally applied on the map and maybe at some point there will be an explanation of why they're there in some easily missed dialogue. Um, yeah. Oh, I guess I have one more question for you, which is, have you found any of these crones who oh, really yeah. want to see your hand? Yeah, I love those. At first, I thought there was just one of them. I think I found three of them at this point. I think I found two. And one of them talked for a while and some very interesting stuff. Uh, this is where I really am kicking myself that I've not been keeping a journal while playing yeah. this game because it does harken back to like early PC games in this respect of like, man, this game would be a like, sure, it gives you a map, but it feels like it would be a richer play if I were taking notes of some of what these people were saying and then referring back to them yeah. instead of just the vagaries of my memory of whether or not I'm going to remember what one of them said. But they are fascinating characters yeah. and clearly they are lore repositories. Yep. Like more so than the average NPC in the game so far. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I actually think it's pretty cool. Um, and they are so creepy and cool. Yeah. With their big empty eye sockets. Yep. Yeah, there was an entire Polygon article about uh, recommending that you keep a journal. Otherwise, uh, it wouldn't have occurred to me. Okay. But, uh, I've been I've been doing so, and uh, yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, if we both keep a journal, we can you know easily easily compare notes as as we go as well. I'm gonna like damned if I do, damned if I don't. Though I'm far enough into the game where I'm like, uh, I have so much that I haven't recorded already. I have character names that I'm not going to be able to remember but maybe I should start. We'll see. And you don't even need the character names. Just be like, someone said something about this, you know, and that's, that's enough. That witchy chick who appeared. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, it hasn't been quite as, as like overtly positive as, as maybe either of us were expecting, but my appreciation for these games increases the more time I spend I mean, look at the original Dark Souls. I quit playing it when I got to Nito because I'm like, fuck this game, you know, and now it's my favorite shit ever. So like. Right. No, fair enough. Fair enough. I have a feeling that in the event I actually finish Elden Ring, <laughs> a probable but not definite event, given my <laughs> record with these games so far. Yeah. I, I am telling you, though, like every time I'm like 20 minutes into this game, I'm like, I really should fire up Dark Souls 3. Nice. Yeah. Like, because I know that as painful as that fight is, it is technically in reach for me now. It's going to be brutal. It's going to fucking suck. I regret choosing a sorcerer. It probably informed my decision to play a warrior and take the twin blade and be like, I don't want to be anchored to a character class where I can't have a shield because honestly, these games are kind of designed to privilege you having a shield. Mm -hmm. Like easy mode except in the original dark souls where being a sorcerer is absolutely the the easiest class choice yeah it comes with its own like perils of being a glass cannon but um but at the end of the day it, it is the easiest workaround being able to like deliver significant damage at range is a huge advantage in almost every fight mm -hmm. not all of them but almost every fight but the truth is that being able to have a shield is actually kind of important 
uh, in terms of the conceptual design of how the average player might be souls soulsing. Yeah. Um, and so ironically, of course, I chose the twin blade character where like you have a shield, but it's not your main thing. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, what can I say? Um, you know, I have that, <laughs> that Dark Souls 3 character as well, who may or may not uh, finish the game. But honestly, this fucking fight, I've been like, maybe I should finish the fucking archives and get the twin blade character up here because it might be a significantly easier fight than the sorcerer. I mean, not easy. The fight is fucking hard, no matter how you slice it. Uh, no pun intended, but um, it's just the fact that you have to like, if you're not doing blade based damage, Lorien is going to just Lothric is going to just keep rezzing Lorien Right. Presumably with less health. I mean, at least the first time he brings him back with half health. But um, yeah, I'm way down that particular. So yeah, I haven't, I haven't though yet. I have kept being like, ah, fuck it, I'm just gonna play Elden Ring. And so, like, where this game ranks out for me in relation to, you know, Dark Souls 3 still unranked for me, and I haven't finished it. I did have a moment with that fight coming off of Canada, especially where I was like, this is just fucking unfair. This fight is just unfair and I hate it. And I hate this game. I don't know why I'm playing it. And I still feel like there is a little bit of RNG unfairness to the way that that fight goes in Dark Souls 3, but it's not that broken. You can run into the room and it greatly diffuses him having a really good shot at just taking a whack at you the first moment you walk in. Yeah. And discovering that was like, okay, okay, you know, a lot like those fucking two assholes. Um, once you smoke that is, um, once you understand a couple of things about the basic behavior of uh, of this character, it gives you an edge to make it no longer the the boss's behavior is no longer as random. Right. And man, this is the really long way around to saying I really don't know where Elden Ring is going to wind up ranking out for me. I really don't know how I'm going to feel about it by the time I get to late game or 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 finish it. Yeah, it's impossible to say at this point. Whereas like much as I know that Dark Souls 3 is not going to steal the number one spot from Dark Souls for me, like it's clearly got more lore richness and brings the whole thing full circle and it all ties it together. And that's evident even without having gotten to that part of the game yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But Dark Souls isn't that spot for me for a very particular reason um, in terms of the sequence of experience with yeah. this this type of game in the first place. But I do know that when I finish Dark Souls 3, it's going to be competitively ranked somewhere in my top 100. There's like not really a question <laughs> about that, sure. right? Yeah. Um, like it will probably break something in the top 50 out and push it down below 50. Very, very likely. At least and, Dexter. Well, okay. No, I mean, we know that some games are definitely going to be dropping down below below 50. And I just don't have a sense at all right now about how I'm going to feel about Elden Ring in, in like three months. I mean, we are still absurdly early. Early in the game. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Um, but I do think that even though we were not engaged in game ranking at the time, if you'd asked me like three years ago how I felt about, um, about Dark Souls 3, I would have been like, if you had posed to me the like arbitrary question of, where would you rank this game in your top hundred games? I'd be like, Oh, I don't know, but probably in the top 50, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and I can't even give a good sense right now on uh, in these this first segment of Elden Ring whether or not it will potentially you know break into my top games or if it's going to wind up in the long term languishing further down. And it does come down to, I think, for both of us, the relationship with open world games. Yeah. And like one of the reasons why I know Kena is going to rank so high for me wherever the heck it winds up sitting is because it's a closed, tight narrative. And with a big narrative game in that style, like, I mean, just as a counter to it, you have something like Mass Effect 3 that is somewhere between the two. Mm-hmm. It is not open world. It gives you a lot of choices about where you go in the order that you do stuff. And sure, it's possible to run straight into the end game without doing any of the loyalty missions and have your entire crew die. Um, it's a choice you could make or an accident that could happen if you don't really understand what you're supposed to be doing with the game and the nature of its narrative. Um, but it gives you a set of choices for when and how you do things that is not the same thing as... Um, as the true open world style and like it's definitely not my favorite thing and i've avoided a lot of games that people have sung the praises of for for this exact reason yeah so and i guess a final counter or uh not a counterpoint uh contra point what would that sure is that a point Uh, alongside that is a point when you are talking about early Nintendo games and uh, weapon <laughs> right. upgrades that you right. can have, and whether or not the laser or the you know splitting. Oh, you gotta go spread. You gotta go. Spread. Yeah, the spread, the spread rifle, which a Contra is gonna get ranked by me at some point. <laughs> oh shit! Like, You're right. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But uh, the experience I had a couple nights ago, where I wanted more magic, and I could ride out to the thing, like that could only happen in an open, in an world, open game. world game yeah and i haven't quite had an experience like that before where like sh- sure there are things that could only happen in open world games but they seldom are things that i care about that hook you let alone the thing that is the final thing that's like oh now i'm actually now i have something i want to do bes- other than th- stuff i know i have to do yeah. in elden ring and hopefully you and i will both experience many more things like that in our in the months to come and i guess i just gotta throw this out there too we both have minecraft ranked somewhere pretty high in our lists and it is the ultimate open world game uh, arguably so arguably yes it's different though it is qualitatively different in a lot yeah. of ways um it's like more sandbox. open it, it's it's sandbox yeah it's more yeah. open than open world it's had more bits pasted onto it over time that make it a little bit more structured if you choose yeah but um yeah well i think that about wraps it up for this special elden ring edition um you know unless unless we're just gonna like tag and make my game onto it but i feel like it is only right and proper with the rest of the features to set it aside for this week i think so and the sooner we stop potting the sooner we can get back to the <laughs> so we can go play some more freaking elden ring yeah okay um, down. if uh you know if you feel like a little jolly co-op Later on, we might be able to to check that out. Um, it's going to happen sometime soon. If it's not tonight, it'd be like in the next in the next few for sure. Because we've got to we got to give it a try uh, to see yeah. how the co op feel is. For and sure. um, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll just call you in to help me with Margaret. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No um, so I mean, I guess that does leave us with one feature. Uh, the goodbyes. The saddest feature. Yeah, the saddest feature of all. Uh, 
but they do come with the silver lining of gratitude, which is uh, thank you, Moses, for being here with us this evening. Yeah, thank you, Paul, and thank you to all you out there listening. Uh, and speaking of which, thanks to, well, the aforementioned all of you for the aforementioned listening to this week's episode of Paul and Moses Play. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, you can email us at paulandmosesplay at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. And until then, never, never stop, stop playing. playing.